is our journey through the Bible in one year. So with that being said, we're going to start on our first segment, which is our first of the day segment, which comes from today from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. So we're going to split this, these verses into three distinct sections. The first one is going to be verses 19 through 21, which says, Do not store up for yourselves the treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves the treasure in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, material wealth was often seen in Israel as a sign of God's blessing and a reward for obedience. But with wealth comes the danger of having a false sense of security or any or an erroneous assessment of spiritual standing before God. The heart here represents the core, the core of a person's being. In other words, the real inner person. So what a person values is driven by the nature of that person's heart. So the material possessions that some people value are subject to the destructive effects of this world. Those who are truly righteous value the greatest treasure in heaven, which is God himself. So those who set their hearts on God set a healthy trajectory for discipleship. So now we're going to pick up and we're going to go through verse, pick up at verse 22, go through verse 23, which says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is the darkness. So what we have to remember is the eye is the conduit to the heart. So when the eye focuses on something of value, it becomes the conduit of the thing that fills the heart with what is being focused on. So if the eye is fixed on what is good, the heart is filled with God's way filled uh, the heart is filled with the light of God's treasure. But if the eye covets earthly treasure, then the heart is filled with darkness. So now we come to the very last verse of this section, which is verse 24, which says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying wealth is a rival God. And that Satan uses greed and covetousness to in 
John chapter 6, verses 43 through 71, Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43, and Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. So now that we have concluded our verse of the day segment, it is time to move into the second segment of our daily devotional, which is our the Bible in one year segment. So this is day 131 of that segment. So let me remind you, if you have missed any of these days, you can find them at upstatechristian.com. So our focus for today is going to be on John chapter 5, verses 31 through 47, which will bring us to the end of John chapter 5. So yesterday we saw Jesus make the argument for the equality of the Father and the Son. And in today's section, Jesus continues his argument in the language that he continues his argument with is reminiscent of a courtroom. But Jesus, however, turned the tables on his opponents and took control of the proceedings. Because you see, yesterday, his opponents had control of the proceedings. They were the one making accusations. They were the one who seemed to be in charge. And today we come to a point where Jesus is actually the one in charge. So according to the Old Testament, so a person's testimony required at least two witnesses. So we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. So Jesus called a series of witnesses to substantiate his claims. So we're going to pick up there in verse 31. We're going to go through verse 35, which says, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John. He has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. He chose for a time to enjoy his light. So the first witness Jesus called was John the Baptist. The crowd believed John the Baptist to be a prophet of God. In Jesus, the light of the world, ascribed to John the Baptist a high accommodation by calling him a lamp. So the past tense verbs that are used here, so the past tense of these verbs that are used here is quite possibly indicate that John the Baptist was either already dead or that he was imprisoned at the time that this discourse took place. So Jesus told those who wanted to kill him that he said these things because he wanted them to be saved. We find that in verse 34, which says that, not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you might, that you may be saved. So in other words, Jesus desired the salvation of those who hated him. So now we're going to pick up in verse 36. And we're going to go through verse 40. Here's what that section says. As I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the 
the Father has given me to finish the very works that I am doing, testifying the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. Study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So Jesus' works were even greater testimony to his identity than John the Baptist's works. So this is the second witness that was required, his works. We're going to talk a little bit about that now. So Jesus' works were the miracles the Father gave to him to perform. So Jesus again is saying that the Father sent him. Jesus always seemed to keep in the forefront of his mind that he was on a mission from heaven his opponents further because they had never heard God's voice, they had never seen his form, or had allowed his word to dwell in them. Even though the Jewish leaders studied the scriptures, they failed to recognize the one to whom the scriptures bear supreme testimony. The proof that they failed to truly understand the scripture was their refusal to believe Jesus, to believe in Jesus. Because the, usually the very scriptures they were studying pointed to Jesus. In other words, they knew God's word intellectually, but it never transformed their hearts. So what I'm saying there, what Jesus is saying is that they had a head knowledge, but they didn't have a heart knowledge about the word. About the Bible, about the scriptures, whatever term you want to use there. Because now we're going to pick up in verse 41 and we're going to go through verse 44. It says, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name and do not accept. And you do not accept me, but if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe that you accept glory from an, from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So, here Jesus is providing a prophetic critique of the leader's rejection of him. So, there issue was not intellectual, in other words, it wasn't a problem with what they knew, rather it was their longing for self-glory that blinded them to Scripture's true message. So in addition, Jesus knew that the leaders did not love God because they loved approval of people more than God's approval. They exhibited an insatiable longing for human praise. If they genuinely loved God, they would have welcomed Jesus God's representative, and clearly they didn't welcome Jesus as God's 
religious leaders gladly received glory from one another, but would not seek the glory that comes from God. So this intense longing for human recognition and approval explains some of their inability to believe in Jesus. It explains a great deal of their inability to believe in Jesus. Because if they said they believed in Jesus, right, it would mean that they weren't getting the human recognition they felt they deserved. They would be giving the recognition to somebody who they felt should not get any recognition whatsoever. So now we're going to come to the concluding section of this last chapter of John, which is uh, John chapter 5, which is verses 45 through 47. This is what they say. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? So the scriptures which the religious leaders claim to believe would be the very thing that would condemn them, would be the very thing that would pass judgment on them. Because you see, they did not believe the words of Moses. Thus, they refused to believe Jesus, whom Moses had written about. Jesus closely connected saving faith in acceptance of what the scriptures teach about him. Because to truly believe is to accept everything that the scriptures give witness to about Jesus. You see, you gotta have more than an intellectual knowledge. You gotta have a heart knowledge. Because it doesn't matter if you can quote every verse in the Bible. That's not what matters. What matters is what you believe in your heart about what the Bible says. That's what really matters. Because if you have the heart knowledge about the Bible, you don't know a whole lot about the Bible. Intellectually, you know a whole lot about the Bible in your head. You can't really understand all of the fancy words and everything, but you understand the meaning of it. Then you have got the true point. And that is the issue that you see with the religious leaders here. They never got that. And so we will pick up in chapter 6, starting tomorrow. And so in order for you to understand that, Here's what you gotta read before, here's what you have to read for, in order to be caught up for tomorrow. So you gotta read 1 Samuel 12 through 13. You gotta read John 7, 1 through 30. You gotta read Psalm 108, 1 through 13. And you gotta read Proverbs 15, verse 4. So come back tomorrow for another segment of our verse of the day. And for day 131 of our journey through the Bible in one year. And again, if you want to catch up on anything that you have missed, visit upstatechristian.com.